0: Episode 45 of 4Games with Variant Hex is all about Project L's solo mode. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, I'll be discussing and reflecting on playing Project L solo. Playing games is how I de-stress and relax, and that's no different for one-player games. I'll give an overview of the game, but I forgot to mention a few things, so I want to say them now. First, the tiles that you take from the center tableau and fill in with your Tetris pieces have numbers in the corner to indicate their point value. And the other thing that I failed to mention was that there are place and master actions in addition to the take, upgrade, and recycle actions. No worries if that sounds like nonsense now. It'll make sense as you listen to the episode. Also, I mentioned Ruel Gaviola's Discord, and the link to that can be found in the episode description. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself talking about Project L. Take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. Clear some space on your table and in your mind for a mini retreat, for one, into a board game. Today's game is Project L, where you collect pieces, pick cards, and fill in various shapes to get the most points. This is the first of the solo mode episodes that I'll be doing all by myself. No Adam, no Jason, no Aaron. Even though I enjoy playing games with my friends and with my husband, sometimes it's nice to pull out a game and play only by myself. I can take all the time I want on my turns. I can dig in and understand the game a little better. I can try different strategies. And it also just gives me time to focus on something else, think about something else. Sometimes if I'm stressed or if I feel like I just need a little bit of rest, a little bit of relaxation, games are a great way to take my mind off of everything else. First, we're gonna start with some of the stats for this game. The designer, I might not pronounce it right, is Mikhail Mikes? Jan Sokal and Adam Spanel, probably not pronounced right. The publisher is BoardCubator. The artists also, these won't be pronounced right either, Jaroslav Jurica, Marek Loscott, Pavel Richter. The year it was released was 2020. The game mechanisms are action points, open drafting, pattern building, and tile placement. The overall rating is a 76 and the rank is 563, which is pretty high. And then for the abstract category, it's rank number 13 and family 97. So it's in the top 100 of two different categories and still doing really well in the overall ranks. In Project L, you have all of these Tetris-looking pieces as well as a you have a deck of tiles that are double-layered that have some shape impressed into them. And you're going to use all of your little Tetris pieces to fill in that shape. And when you do you get another shape, sort of as a reward, for completing that puzzle. As you keep playing, you keep building up more and more pieces, you can complete bigger and bigger puzzles, and in the end, whoever has the most points wins. So, very straightforward game. On your turn, you can either take one of those dual-layered tiles, so you can start filling in a shape with your pieces, or you can take a level one piece, which is a little yellow square, just a one-by-one kind of unit square or you can upgrade one of your pieces. The yellow can become a green that is two squares tall. You can turn that green into, I believe, a orange or a blue, and they're both three pieces each. Then from there, you can turn either one of those into something that is four pieces, and there's more shapes. I think there's maybe five shapes that are four pieces. So you're kind of slowly upgrading these pieces. You're also getting pieces as a reward for when you fill in those dual layer tiles. And you can do up to three actions on your turn. If you're playing a multiplayer game, there's also a recycle action that lets you kind of wipe clear the tableau because you'll have nine tiles on the table that you can pick from, as well as a stack of tiles that you could choose blindly from. And you can only have four of those tiles maximum at a time that are like unfulfilled. As you fill them up, you put them face down for your point stack. And that kind of keeps everyone from knowing what you may have. However, for the solo mode, you're just playing against an AI opponent, so you can leave them face up. The AI opponent has a mechanism by which they decide which tiles they can take. The way that the game will flow is similar to multiplayer and I think will ultimately help you play multiplayer well, but it's not exactly the same. And your AI opponent is going to get to automatically score every tile they take. They don't have pieces that they have to fill in. Makes it easier for you to manage, but it also makes it a lot easier for them to get points. I've played this game a few times. I've only had it since January. It came out in 2020. I only got it in January of 2022 from uh, Game Found, as it was, I backed it on Kickstarter when it included the expansions. So I actually haven't played the expansions yet. I've just played the base Project L game. Um, I think I've played it with Aaron a couple times, and I think I've played it solo a couple times, and I played it this morning solo. The production for it is amazing. And that's a little bit being Kickstarter, you kind of do get that next level of production for a game. The Tetris pieces are plastic and really brightly colored. The version I have has game trays to hold everything and keep it all in the right spots. The dual layer boards, the tiles that you use to fill in as you play and score points are really nice. There's like a single, they're black. And then the Uh, bottom layer is white. So it's like high contrast and you have these bright colors as well that you use to fill them in. Each kind of square, there's not a grid actually outlined. Each square has a dot in it. So it has a very minimalist look all throughout the rule book and all the components as well. So really nice to look at, really striking to see on the table. However, I will say that It doesn't look like it's gonna hold up to wear and tear really well. It has a matte finish, a matte black finish on everything, which looks really nice, but also kind of collects oils from your hands. You can kind of see scratches on it. If something, um, if you're kind of moving the piece to place into the dual layer part, you can kind of see scratches around that. You can see scratches around the edges and they're not changing color, but it's just like changing the black of the finish. So even though the little plastic pieces are gonna hold up great, I don't know about the other components of the game if they, especially those tiles, as you're kind of shuffling them and playing them and taking them, I don't know that they're gonna keep looking as great as day one. I've already mentioned it's not a solo only game. You do have multiplayer options. The addition I have goes up to six. That might be because of the expansions, I'm not sure. And there is that AI opponent in the solo mode. So moving on to strategy. I used a setup dictated by the community challenge in Ruel's server. They decided to do five pieces for the AI. So the way the AI works, they put one of the yellow pieces on top of each of the columns. So it's a three by three grid of tiles that you usually pick from. They put one piece on top of each of the columns and then a second piece uh, over the second column. Those pieces indicate that the column is locked for the AI. But if you choose something it removes one of those pieces. So if you choose something from the first row, it unlocks that column, then the AI can come through and play something from that column. Once they do, they put all the pieces they have in their reserve over that column. And then they also take one piece from the other two columns and put it over that column. You are trying to kind of balance if I, what am I gonna allow the AI to have? And then what do I need to get points? The deck of tiles is stacked so that the white-backed tiles, which are the lower-scoring ones, some of them don't have a score on them at all, come out first, and then the black tiles, which have higher values up to five, come out in the second half of the game. I'm still trying to understand the best way to build an engine in this game and the best way to balance getting pieces and getting points and doing that all at the right rhythm and with the right pacing throughout the game. So my biggest concern was trying to limit the AI score. So I was trying to keep the columns locked as often as I could, and also keeping the available points for them as low as I could. So if a column was gonna unlock, I wanted it to be one where maybe there was only a one point score. I didn't have any turns where they had a zero point option there. If there's ever a tie for the score, the rulebook gives you an order, basically from top left to bottom right, that they'll pick a tile. And I didn't feel like there wasn't a lot of pressure in this game that I felt like, oh, I have to have that exact tile. It kind of felt like whichever I ended up with was fine enough. And maybe that's me not fully understanding the best strategy. Maybe I would feel tempted to take something that would still give them a lot of points because I'd be better able to predict how I was going to score even more. But at this point, with how much I've played it, I don't have any insight into that at all. I was just trying to keep their score down because I feel like it's so easy for them to score and I don't really know how to best optimize my engine yet. I also went for having larger pieces earlier. That makes it a little harder because then you have to puzzle those pieces together. Now, I think in the uh, the official rules, you're not supposed to take your pieces and like try them in the stuff in the center. Now I was playing solo, I just, I did what I wanted. So I had just the starting maybe yellow and green piece. And then as I got bigger pieces, I was fitting them into some of the ones in the middle to try to better understand how do these shapes come together and what would I be able to accomplish and how quickly. Something I don't think I mentioned at the beginning is you can take a master action. And when you take a master action, you can put one piece up to one piece on all of the tiles you have in front of you, which would be up to four. You don't have to put it on everything, but that becomes a way that you sort of plan to start completing other tiles before you maybe even have the pieces to complete them, because you know that the tile that you'll complete first will give you the piece to complete the tile that you'll do second. I think that kind of planning is essential, but as you're first playing it and understanding it, in my opinion, it's hard to get there. So you kind of are by placing them in the middle trying to piece things together i was trying to get a better sense in my head of that one then two then three then four kind of strategy of how can i build these things ideally on the last turn you'd want to just fill in everything you want to do a master action be able to fill in everything in front of you and complete all of your points i think that's like the best final final state if you do that before the end you can take whichever tile you'd like, but the tiles that you take and don't complete go against your score at the end, which is very devastating. I was trying to pull in tiles to keep you know, high value tiles away from the AI, but then I couldn't complete all the high value tiles so then I ended up just subtracting the points from, my, from myself. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if I gave it to the AI or took it myself because at the end, the points difference was gonna be the same. So you can place a lot of pieces on your final turn if you have them, but you have to subtract a point for every piece that you place. So there was one where I could put three pieces on a five to complete it, which meant minus three plus five. So I netted two points, which is better than nothing. But if you have to put five pieces on it, for example, in order to score it, then you just kind of nullify it. So that's an interesting consideration, especially as you're pacing against this AI opponent. And when the, deck is, when the deck's gone, the game's over trying to see how can I force the AI to take as low pieces as possible while still getting enough points on my own to overcome whatever they end up with. So in my situation, the final score was 22 to 24. I felt pretty good about that. It was a higher score than I've gotten before, even though the AI still beat me by two. I think there's a balance between how many little pieces do you want to have that make it easy to puzzle everything together, like you don't have an awkward shape left over. But then if you have a lot of little pieces, it takes more turns and more actions to fill everything in. So you want these big pieces so you can fill things in really quickly, but just the nature of these different shapes and how they fit together, you'll still need some small pieces to fill in those final holes. It's hard to get like three big pieces that fit a shape just perfectly. And I think you also may start to fill something in and then only afterwards realize oh, I could have done this with three big pieces instead of five smaller pieces. And that's a pretty big loss in terms of your ability to get points and how well you're utilizing your actions every turn. Now for a bit of mood and reflection on this game, this is going to sound a little random, But I usually like to have a snack and a drink that goes well with the game. This morning, I was playing really early, so I just had water and oatmeal. But I think ideally, the pieces really look like candy. It would be fun to have candy while you play. And as far as drinks, again, the bright colors, it makes me just think of like candy and soda. So kind of junk food, maybe not the best choice, healthiest choice. But that is certainly what I think of what I'd like to enjoy while playing this game. I often listen to music or listen to something while I play. Again, this morning, very early, I didn't listen to anything. I think you could listen to the Tetris theme. If you played a lot of Tetris in your past, it might put you into that puzzle-solving mindset. I think also something that was kind of sparse would be nice, like Lo-Fi Girl or maybe even some like sparse guitar music because the sounds of the game are kind of enjoyable. All of these little plastic pieces clink and clatter together and that makes kind of a satisfying noise and then when you are placing the pieces into the tiles as they you know touch one another as you slot them together kind of you can hear like a soft clink of the two pieces of plastic next to each other so I think it's kind of has a distinctive sound to the game. So I wouldn't want to listen to like some kind of big heavy adventure music also that doesn't have anything to do with this, but I wouldn't want to listen to something super loud because I do kind of like the sounds of the game. And then how did I feel while playing the game? I felt that I couldn't quite get the strategy right. It felt like a pickup and deliver game to me where if I could just load everything in and then put everything down, you know, problem solved. And that, re- that sense of restriction was definitely causing tension in the game for me so there's this imposed limit that makes you then have to optimize and you're kind of working against stretching that limit out so that feeling of restriction while playing is what I noticed the most and I think that I think the same thing about Maglev Metro that I don't quite get it yet like I I know there's probably a better way to force this puzzle open and get to the point where you feel like you have all the resources you need to move everything you need. And I feel like I can never quite get that going fast enough. I feel like I'm always a bit sluggish there. And then how does this game inspire self-care? I like to reflect on what the mechanisms of the game are trying to accomplish because while you play, you're definitely problem solving and that problem solving translates into your actual life and those kind of situations and decisions that you make, they can also improve your regular day-to-day life. And I think for this one to have such a strong feeling of restriction, that's an easy parallel to everyday life. Restrictions can keep you from doing what you like, restrictions on your time, your budget, or your abilities. In Project L, there's this sea of shiny, colorful pieces that are like just out of reach. So you're trying to say like, how can I take what I have and use that to get to my goals? And when is it smart to invest in something long-term in these big point tiles? And when do I need to take the quick wins so I can iterate, so I can get that next step up? And I think there's no perfect answer to that, unfortunately, but the process of thinking through it is really helpful. Project L will allow you to see what that divergent path looks like. See what happens if, oh, I'm making my goals too small, too short, and it's not giving me enough acceleration to get to the next thing. Or... I've taken on way too much. I'm way too restricted to take on these big projects and ultimately I'm going to get nothing done where if I had evaluated this a little better, I could have been making small gains that would have got me to this one bigger step. So you're trying to optimize what you have and you're trying to invest so you can reap that reward of the resources you have at your disposal. So patience and planning are huge and the way that one piece becomes something bigger, becomes something bigger, becomes something bigger is so clearly a parallel to investing. And that's not always investing money. That's also investing your time in maybe learning a new skill. That's investing, uh, there's investing time to improve your health or maybe eat better or improve your it exercise more that when you put in a little bit every day, it helps to grow those things. I also think it's, you start with so little in this game and you know that you can build it to something big but that doesn't that doesn't take away that you're just starting with two pieces and the two smallest pieces. So you if you get preoccupied with knowing that you're starting with so little and you get too preoccupied with having kind of big ambitions, you miss those in-between steps that actually get you from point A to point D by just iterating from A to B to C to D. It encourages you to understand those steps that you take to get to the next thing. So I think the game inspires me to invest in myself. Take what I have today, whether it's a lot or not. In some areas, you might already have lots to invest. In other areas, you might have very little. You might have lots of time, but maybe you don't have a lot of money or vice versa. How do you take the resources that you have and use them productively and plan so that you can get the most out of them so that you're not wasting those resources unnecessarily. I think it's also important to look over options and know that sometimes it's better to delay gratification to build to something bigger, but other times you need to just do the little thing today. So you don't want to burn all of your resources down so you can't do the next thing. And I think remembering that no matter what your resources are, you do have options. I think when you don't have a lot of resources, you can feel trapped, you can feel restricted. Not only looking at the one thing you don't have looking at the things that you do have and thinking beyond just what you are, not getting overly preoccupied with just one thing. That could be overly preoccupied with work and how work's going and not thinking about the other things in your life. That could be overly preoccupied with something you want to buy that you can't afford or maybe health goals that you have that you don't seem to be able to reach. I think you have to look at everything out there and kind of evaluate everything on the table instead of focusing too hard in just one area. And I think when you have your mindset open to options, it's easier to see how those options can become fruitful for you in the future. If you'd like to take some solo time to think about restrictions, possibilities, and plans, give Project L a try. so much for listening to episode 45. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at VariantHex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. A third of our board game collection has solo modes, so there's a good chance I'll keep this series going for a while. I'll probably continue doing episodes for the solo challenges on Ruel's Discord server as well. On the last episode, I gave an update about our Instagram. Twitter, we don't really tweet anymore, Twitter's a crazy place, but it still exists. We are still planning to stream on Twitch a little more. I might start doing some of these solo playthroughs on there. Just trying to learn OBS and get things set up first. In fact, I found out about these solo challenges by watching Twitch. Real has a channel, he's also on Rado's channel for a weekly show. So if you haven't been on Board Game Twitch, check it out. There's going to be some of the names that you know from the hobby, such as Rodney Smith and Rotto, as well as some creators for you to discover that are also excellent. The next episode will be Aaron and I reviewing the game Furnace, unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you have 44 more episodes headed your way. The next one being Aaron and I talking about the two-player games, the Fox and the Forest and the Fox and the Forest duet. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today.